Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. On this episode of Newt's World, there's a religious zealotry to the woke left movement, not so long ago, imposing a moral framework on every aspect of life was a conservative approach. It was the right who saw the world through a moral prism. And when the right was doing the moralizing, the left could be counted on to oppose them. But the tables have turned. In his new book, The Rise of the New Puritans, fighting back against progressives war on fun. Noah Rothman dives deeply into the realities of this provocative societal change, rooting out its origins and exploring how it threatens the ideals of freedom and personal fulfillment at the heart of the American experiment. This inclination towards meddlesomeness is nothing new in our history. And as he dissects this mounting aspect of the social justice movement, Rothman draws parallels to the zealotry that lends the new Puritanism its name. It is an impulse that judges and attacks its victims based on a narrow moral judgment that lacks subtlety or an appreciation for human complexity. Here to talk about his new book, I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Noah Rothman. He is the associate editor of Commentary Magazine, author of Unjust, and an NBC News contributor. Noah, welcome, and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm curious, what led you to write this book? I was miserable, to be frank. This is back in the late fall, winter of 2020. It's the height of the pandemic. We had just had the riots, and every institution in America had committed itself to reconceptualizing the founding. 
as something rather terrible in all its subsequent emanations as something you should be suspect of and hostile toward. And I'm sitting down with my wife and describing my misery. She asks, you know, what would you like to do if you could do anything? Well, I'd like to speak with people who are in institutions that I like working comics, sports broadcasters, chefs, you know, people who create entertainment for a living, screenwriters and the like. No, I can't because everything is political now. There is no escape from the politics that has infected even apolitical aspects of life, those things that should be outside the realm of politics properly understood. And she says that's the book, and it was. So you're saying that even chefs end up being political. Oh, and they'll tell you about how miserable they are about it. There's a fair amount of the third chapter on prudence that describes the extent to which food, not just preparation, but generally the pleasant atmospherics of dining have become a problem, that your meat consumption is making you into a burden on your family and your community and destroying the Eden into which you were conceived, that you should be consuming a lot more insects, not because they're good. In fact, good is beside the point, because you're contributing to a social value, and that sense of satisfaction should be sustenance enough. There are plenty of chefs who are getting out of this industry, not because they're no longer good at what they do or they've gotten bad reviews, because they no longer find their life's work fulfilling, in part because they can't do their life's work. They get up every morning consumed with the mission now before them, which is conducting politics, being political. And that's not what they signed up for. A lot of the people I spoke with are liberal, Democrats, wouldn't vote Republican if you paid them. But their enthusiasm for their life's work is being robbed of them, and they bitterly resent it. What happened to them if they just ignored all that pressure and cooked what they wanted to? So part of my book is an attempt to give them a permission structure to do just that. Most of the people who genuflect before the woke movement share its goals, share its objectives. And part of the reason why I organized this chapter by unimpeachable virtues, piety, prudence, austerity, the fear of God, temperance, and order, is because the mission in its abstract to which progressives adhere was objectively good. It is the way in which it is being pursued by its most zealous adherence, that is the problem. A lot of these people share the idea and the importance of the progressive mission. That leaves them unable to, based on their social circles and the industries in which they inhabit, leaves them unable to just simply walk away, to ignore it. You can try, but there's a collective action problem here. The first to go is only the first to go, and they need a crowd behind them. And so the prescription that I try to offer here is to live your life in a carefree way, in a joyous way, to mock those who have made a spectacle of themselves, because you know it only takes a first couple of people to do it, and then you'll have a collective action behind them. And ultimately, to consume and to reward commercially those who are bucking this trend and create an incentive structure to continue to do so. So there's a set of prescriptions there. But right now, those who don't want to run afoul of this movement are, quite frankly, scared. There are real consequences for running afoul of it, especially if you don't have an institution backing you that is institutionally committed to free expression and the exploration of ideas that could perhaps offend the more puritanically inclined progressive. Is this largely a big city problem? I mean, if you're a chef, are you under greater pressure in a New York or Chicago or Los Angeles than you would be in, you know, Des Moines or Birmingham? Doubtlessly, but that is where the commanding heights of culture are located, right? This is a problem of the capture of these institutions in a spectacular act of piracy by a narrow band of 
committed progressives inclined towards Puritanism. I'm not talking about Democrats per se. I'm not talking about liberals, not even all progressives. It's hard to quantify, but it's a smallish band of very enthusiastic zealots who have captured these institutions and who are meeting out a comeuppance against those who do not bend to their will. But they punch way above their weight. And they have managed to use the pseudo-authoritative language of critical studies departments on campuses to morally blackmail, intimidate, and capture institutions that are bigger than them, that have a broader mission statement, but they are all being subsumed into this one project, which is the advancement of the progressive mission. And it's the three legs of that stool, racial rapprochement, economic egalitarianism, and environmental protection. All of these things in the abstract are noble. It is when they become a religious conviction and are prosecuted with absolute zealotry that they become intolerable. In the model you're building, just the actual reference to new Puritans, you're describing a kind of religious or quasi-religious movement, more than a political movement. And it has elements of a secular faith. It mimics a secular faith. I depart slightly from some people in this field whom I admire quite a bit, Professor John McWhorter, Michael Crichton, all of whom identified really sort of religious traits in this secular approach to life. But I maintain that it transcends the conduct of politics and religion in a way that mimics the Puritan experience, because Puritanism wasn't simply a religion. It wasn't congregationalism alone. It wasn't the management of the colonies. It was both of those things. It was a way of life. I prefer to describe it as a theory of social organization more so than a religion per se. It lacks what I think is a key element of any conduct of spirituality, which is a deism, something that can provide you with absolution and allow you to conduct yourself in a way that is without sin. There is no way to escape sin in this idea of the new puritanical conception of the environment in which we're in. The sin, the sinner, and the environment in which the sin are committed are all along the same continuum. You can't block them off because that's tie your hand in this existential fight against a ubiquitous evil. So historically, the concept of puritanism was seen as something on the right. And it was some sense of imposing a set of values on people that was often unfair and that was often arbitrary. And you're suggesting, as a number of people have, that in fact that's been transferred and the moral fervor and the intensity that we used to identify with the right is now in many ways to be found on the left. Yeah, and it's an absolute mystery as to how this happened. That's where I begin unpacking this, is that, yeah, it was traditionally a tendency to see in seemingly innocent cultural products nefarious influences that would corrupt you and degrade society as a whole was primarily a predilection on the right. Now all of a sudden on the left, we're treated to moral crusades that very much mimic that. Big entertainment companies introducing themes to products that de-emphasize the entertainment value of that because that's actually rather trite. It has to serve a higher social purpose than mere entertainment. Comedians who are emphasizing the pain that someone had to experience so that you could enjoy something as frivolous as a punchline. Sports coverage, sit down to ESPN and you'll be treated to long digressions about the lamentable state of racial dynamics in America. And when fans object, as they do often, they're explicitly admonished 
for putting their need for escapism over their duty to dwell on the world's miseries. Indeed, dwelling on the world's miseries seems to be the highest goal, even above and beyond the principle that whatever the principle happens to be that they're promoting at any given time. This is indeed a puritanical impulse. Scholars of Puritanism get a little frustrated when you conflate big P Puritans of the 1600s, 1700s with the kind of the calm stockery into which it evolved in the 19th century. And that's more what we think of when we think of stereotypes of prudish Puritans who wanted to remake the world anew. But that is where progressivism was birthed. It came to be in the heart of mainline Protestant New England, and it retains quite a lot of its characteristics, among them utopianism, a messianic approach to political organizing, and a fear of idleness. That which is idle is an empty vessel that can be filled up and will be filled with the influences that are working all around us that are corrupting us and corrupting our society at large. Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I'm thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition, one-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994, when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin is more than an investment. It's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When I was a kid, they would say that idle hands are the devil's workshop. And it was that whole notion that, you know, if you don't stay busy and virtuous, the bad things will happen automatically. And it was sort of a hangover from the Puritan ethic. I've often wondered if Harvard and Yale had not been in New England, how different would things have been? Because the dynamic which led to abolitionism and led to a whole range of things comes straight out of the Puritan tradition, the Puritan passion for creating a city on the hill. Absolutely. The Puritans get a bad rap. And I try to make that point frequently in this manuscript, that as you say, they bequeathed us with some of the greatest gifts that Americans should be cherishing, the proto-democratic institutions that evolved into what became the Constitutional Convention, a really profound commitment to abolitionism, so committed that many prominent Puritan activists backed Mexico in the Mexican-American War, which is one of the reasons why their zealotry can be a bit grating in mixed company. And a social contract that left us with, so that you wouldn't have to depend on charity in your darkest hours. These are profoundly good things. And if that tradition hadn't arisen in New England and perhaps in the Mid-Atlantic, we might have a much more Catholic conception of virtue. We might have elevated social justice in a way that was muted in the early 1800s. So who knows? I mean, that's an interesting counterfactual. But along with this puritanical virtues comes puritanical zeal. The two things are intertwined. I don't think they can be separated. And the progressive tradition has its roots in puritanical soil. And progressives might not recognize that impulse in themselves, but that's vanity. And this book hopes to address that. So you talk about the progressives' war on fun. I understand why in the religious tradition that was a serious component because fun was inherently putting you in risk of sin and was taking your mind away from God and away from preparing for heaven. But why in the modern period have all of these folks decided that having fun is inherently dangerous? Well, so if you replace the mission of creating a new Zion, which is not dissimilar from the mission of perfecting the human experience, if you believe it can be perfected, is this messianic mission towards remaking the world anew and certainly extirpating the sins that we inherited. One of the scholars who I quote very often in this manuscript, George McKenna, whose book, The Puritan Origins of American Patriotism, is one of the best scholarly works on how Puritanism has bequeathed us with all these political traditions, and identified a series of traits that are native to a typical Puritan. And the one I focus on is one that he called anxious introspection, which is the constant interrogation of yourself and the projection of inward insecurities on your external environment. And the manifestation in which this most frequently materializes 
is in a fear and mistrust of what we would understand to be really banal activities. They have embraced a narrower understanding of the origins of the United States, elevating its original sins to a place of prominence that would confuse and confound us. I think we would agree the founding generation because it is so outside the scope of what they understood to be its importance. But in, indicting everything on the flimsiest of pretext around that. So when you have this anxious introspection and you project it onto environment, you can see how the activity of knitting and sewing are irreparably linked, coupled with the legacy of American slavery. It takes an initiated puritanical progressive to see that, but that's the kind of thing they can see. They can see that in fly fishing. They can see that in interior decorating, in gardening. And it is the conduct of, for example, the mistrust of holidays that I think is one of the many ways in which this particular tendency has really impossible to ignore links to the past. Because as Cotton Mather said, it isn't the holiday itself. It is the immodest behavior that the holiday encourages. Lewd drinking, excessive eating, displays of gluttony. And we see that in the way the modern Puritan does their best to ruin holidays. They admonish you to berate your relatives over the abject state in which the country and the world finds itself during this otherwise joyous time, because joy is beside the point. In fact, it's rather counterproductive to be joyous, particularly in such dire times in which we find ourselves. This anxious introspection typifies quite a lot of how the new Puritan navigates the world, which has become the enemy of joy itself. I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in legacy precious metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, they're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich contract with America Coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when, against all odds, we balanced the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history, and now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, it's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043, or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. 
Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm very curious, when you think about the shutdowns and people being locked at home and all the different things that came out of the pandemic, to what extent do you think that accelerated or intensified or changed the move towards the new Puritanism? Perhaps quite a bit in a way I don't get into in this manuscript, in part because it was written in the middle of it, so it lacked any perspective on it. Nevertheless, in the middle of this profound and unprecedented for most of our lifetimes, mini civilizational collapse, you know, we haven't actually had a full reckoning with the way in which our institutions and our understanding of ourselves and our communities and our interpersonal relationships sort of imploded on us. We haven't really reckoned with that. But in the middle of that, after about three months of berating the public that the highest possible good they could engage with is to keep to themselves and stay away from others. And if they had to venture out, then to observe a series of rituals and protocols. Then all of a sudden, all these voices turned on a dime and decided that the highest social good was to protest outside in the streets in an act of contrition. It was a big booming display of pursuit of absolution for things that you couldn't possibly absolve yourself of. The principle on display in that moment, now I'm talking about the way in which public health advocates affixed their name to an open letter that demanded you go outside and protest because racism is a public health emergency, perhaps even a greater public health emergency than the actual public health emergency. And it was that sort of principle on display that manifested itself in some serious ways, but also some very silly ways. So the protests were about combating police violence. And the unobjectionable principle is that local police authorities generally should be subordinate to the communities they serve and responsible to elected officials. That's a reasonable principle, one that is unimpeachable, frankly. But it was de-emphasized in the pursuit of rather silly ways that this could manifest. So one of those ways was the backlash against cop shows. We were told that the good cop archetype 
is something that could not and should not be allowed on television, in media generally. It resulted in the cancellation of programs like Cops and Live PD, shows that had done tangible good. They had found missing persons. They had solved cold cases. They had found felons at large. That tangible good was subordinated to a theory, the theory being that this good cop archetype had contributed to police abuses. The theory won out over the facts. And perhaps the silliest manifestation of this was a backlash against the Nickelodeon cartoon show, Paw Patrol. It's a cartoon show featuring cartoon dogs as first responders. There's a New York Times article about the backlash against this show and how it was contributing to police violence. This silliness ultimately undermined the principle that was at work here, that police should be subordinate to the communities they serve. Instead, it seemed to be elevated above the principle. So we're left to conclude that it was the display of zealotry, this big booming pageant of zeal and self-sacrifice because they're sacrificing their entertainment too. Not just you, them too. They're making this sacrifice for the greater good. But it was that sacrifice, it was this display of labor, the work, that was the ultimate objective here. The principle itself fell by the wayside, ultimately to be forgotten in favor of this big booming display of sanctimony. You see this again and again. I mean, Disney's entire behavior, which has been astonishingly unprofitable. I mean, the amount they've cost their shareholders as people reacted negatively to their aggressively woke strategy is kind of an interesting comment on culture dominating economics. Yeah. And so the commercial aspect of this is, I think, one of the ways it probably falls apart. I think this is encapsulated mostly in the phrase banned in Boston. Banned in Boston, again, back to the part of mainline Protestantism, the incubator of progressivism in America as we understand it. Banned in Boston was a phrase that warned of impure literature, the Comstockery of the time and the Society for the Suppression of Vice, which mobilized in response to a profound menace, Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman, was very effective. It effectively blocked the publication of that book in New England. It bottlerized plays. It banned dime store novels that are popular throughout the country. Songs couldn't be played on the radio in this area. And it was a very effective tool for warning the ethically and morally pure away from impious literature. But the backlash materialized around it and it manifested in commercial ways so that eventually Band in Boston went from being a warning against impure literature to a powerful advertisement for it. Publishers actively sought to have their titles banned in Boston so that they could increase sales across the country. And I think if there's a modern parallel, it would be banned on Facebook, banned on Amazon. Because when conservative books find themselves in the crosshairs of 23-year-old censors who have no idea what they're doing and limit access to this material, it advertises it in ways that I don't think any PR campaign could accomplish. These books become bestsellers overnight only in response to the overshooting the mark of the censors on the left who would try to prevent you from having access to this very seditious, titillating material. So the commercial aspect is something you can't discount. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch because the extraordinary success of Top Gun Maverick, which was patriotic, positive, and has you know blown the doors off of everybody else in terms of people coming out to see it. It'll be interesting to see whether or not Hollywood can resist making money. <laughs> right. The obstacle to that has been China, right? Access to the Chinese market has been more lucrative than Western markets. And this film, among others, but this film most prominently bucked that trend. 
in a bold way and was rewarded for the gamble. So yeah, it would be interesting to see if anybody follows in their mark, but it was just a refreshing movie insofar as it didn't beat you over the head with this plotting didactic narrative meant to communicate whatever our contemporary sins are and force you to think about things for a little bit. Yeah, the country was actually interested in relaxing and being entertained and feeling patriotic. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the combination is the three things you would say that the new Puritanism would oppose all three parts of it. Yes, yes. I mean, in part because it's a waste of time. You are idle. You're actively not doing the work, which means you're actively being influenced in ways that they can't control. And that because they are mistrustful of you, there's an element of condescension to a lot of this, that they believe you to be rather easily influenced, poorly educated, morally infirmed. And if you are not constantly being berated with stimuli that reinforces the particular norms that they believe advance the progressive project and that cure us of the ills of the society into which we were born, this milieu in which we're steeped, which is corrupting. If you're not constantly being beaten over the head with that, you're steeping yourself in it. You're marinating in it, and you will eventually emerge a bad person as a result of that. That There's an education process that is unending, and if it ever does end, it ends, frankly, with you being a menace to your neighbors and to society and perpetuating the ills that you were born into in a flawed and imperfect union. One of the things I was struck by though I thought was particularly sobering was that when you were conducting interviews with a number of professionals, you found a number who agreed with your premise but didn't share conservative politics. But you also found that there were a number who really didn't want to talk on the record, that they were genuinely concerned that if they told you how they really felt, that they would be risking their career or risking their status. Yeah. Well, they told me how they really felt. I just can't print their names. But yeah, I mean, there are real consequences, social and professional, and to a lesser degree legal, but still they're out there, for speaking your mind. How much do you think this is a detour, and how much do you think it's potentially a really profound long-term change? So that's an interesting question, because I'm of two minds on it. I think the shift back towards a progressive ethos, away from a classically liberal or just liberal sort of, if it feels good, do it mentality, that sort of hedonism and licentiousness that typified the baby boomer generation after the sexual revolution. I think that was a passing fad. I think progressivism is here to stay. The kind of progressivism that manifests in this totalistic puritanical program for society, I don't think that's long for this world. It is a cult of misery and cults of misery do not have long shelf lives. It will leave its mark on American politics, it already has, and society, it already has left an indelible and in some ways laudable mark on the institutions it has trained its fire on. But like the Puritans, who are not remembered for all the great traditions they bequeathed us, the Puritans, big P Puritans, are remembered as stereotypes, many of which are laughable. They're laughingstocks. And I think, frankly, that this book is an attempt to hasten what I believe is already going to be an inevitable trend to finding the humor in the ways in which these people are making spectacles of themselves, sacrificing towards no end. I think that eventually we'll be able to laugh at them. We're not there yet, but I think it's coming. You may have found the title for your next book in The Cult of Misery. Ah, I am looking for another pitch. You got to strike while the iron's hot. I think that is so intriguing and captures 
this very strange phenomenon. I was recently doing Sean Hannity's radio show, and we were exploring why would you say that oil produced in Texas and Pennsylvania and North Dakota is bad, but oil produced in Venezuela and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Russia is good. And I think it's part of this cult of misery. I mean, I think you have a phrase there that you could become very famous with. Thank you, sir. I'm going to rush out and capitalize on this now, patent pending. That's right. The, the trick is trademark it before anybody else thinks of it. It's great. Listen, I really appreciate you doing this. This has been fascinating. I think you've had some marvelous insights. We are certainly going to promote your book, which I think is a real contribution to understanding what's happening in America. And we're going to have the rise of the new Puritans fighting back against progressives' war and fun. We'll be on our show page with a link, and I hope it does extraordinarily well. Mr. Speaker, thank you so much. It's been a privilege to talk to you, and I really appreciate your endorsement. That's very high praise. Thank you to my guest, Noah Rothman. You can get a link to buy his new book, The Rise of the New Puritans, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howe, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now 
at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com.